Good morning, saints. Morning, sinners. I just had a great question asked to me. What's the difference between a reverend and a pastor? Oh, thank you. And, you know, I guess the best way to answer that is when I was, um, when all the kids down here, their age, I had a, a uh, Sunday school teacher in, I guess I was first, second grade, Mrs. McKendry, and uh, we lost touch over the years. And when I was back in Atlanta at Peachtree Presbyterian Church, she was a member of that church, and she came and saw me and said, My goodness, Packy Risley, whoever would have thought you'd be a reverend? I said, I know, me too, Ms. McKendry. I'm just a, I'm just a preacher. Um, so, but a pastor is, is one who, you know, we look at the, the pastoral understanding of flock. Y'all are smelly sheep. That's what it says in Scripture. Don't be mad at me. We're, we're sheep. And Nick and I are pastors. We guide. We walk among. We live with. We encourage. We try to guide and direct. But I thought that was a great question. Reverend is an old, old uh, social title used for uh, those in ministry. It's, um, but really, I'm just Patrick. So just FYI. Who's ready? Who is ready? You ready? Are you ready? We, we, we are about to enter a battle royale. You know? A battle royale. Royale, a royal battle. A battle is the moment when the fate and the future hangs on two opposing sides, facing off against each other. And for example, the biblical story of David and Goliath is one of those examples. And the one who perseveres in this battle royale is the one who wins, and their winning determines the fate of the people. This week, this week, we as a nation are about to enter into a battle royale. Yeah, get excited. You need to be. It is a battle royale. It is real. You see, in one corner... In this corner over here is our tryptophan-laced consumeristic stupor that is referred to as the holidays. In this other corner is this as a time of taking slow breaths, intentional thoughtfulness as we reclaim the holy days from the holidays. The battle royale. You see, the holidays are a time off. The holy days are an intentional focus on the one whom we love the most. And the challenge for you and me as we begin to enter this week, the battle royale, is which side at the end of the next six weeks is going to win. You see, the challenge for you and for me is to determine if we shall allow our holy days to be conscripted for holidays. 
And so pastorally, it's incumbent upon uh, for Nick and me to help us as your pastors do some pre-holiday planning before we enter this ring that commences as soon as your foot hits the airport turnstile. So how how do we do this pre-holiday planning? I mean, pre-holy day planning. If you have your Bible, and I encourage you to bring it, turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, The writer of the Hebrews is sometimes referred to as the preacher. Uh, And the book of Hebrews is this... Um, book that outlines this battle royale between the forces of evil in the world over and against the forces of light and God. It outlines how God, from the very beginning, used a very special relationship with Abraham and the Israelites, the Hebrews, how God used this people to implement the ways of God in the world. And Uh, Yet the powers of the world overwhelmed Abraham and the Hebrews and the Israelites. It overwhelmed God's law. It overwhelmed the kings. It overwhelmed their priests. And the battle was pitched. The battle was engaged. And God said, enough of it. Enough of this one-sided battle. And the book of Hebrews is about how God and Jesus entered into the ring, entered into the battle, and was killed, buried, and unexpectedly routed the other side through resurrection. The battle is not known for the number of dead bodies strewn upon the ground. Rather, it is known for the lives of people who have been Restored, who have become whole again, who have found their salvation in relationship back to God and to one another through Jesus Christ, the victor. Amen. Jesus is humankind's vindicator for God. And that's what this book of Hebrews is all about. Jesus is the priest. So, this leads us to our text this morning. Listen to the word of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, and I'll read verses 19 to um, 25. The preacher writes, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, that is Jesus, then let us approach with true hearts and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. 
Now, the preacher in Hebrews is describing how Jesus Christ has done for us what no earthly priest could do. And that is to fully pay the price of reconciliation between broken relationship between God and all people in creation. In ancient times, for the Jews, the high priest was allowed to enter into the sanctuary or the Holy of Holies only one time of year, and that was on the Day of Atonement. And that person oftentimes, later in the Jewish tradition, would have a gold uh, rope tied around his waist in case he died or got sick or just got terrified and they had to pull him out because no one else could go in after him into the Holy of Holies. And you could only go into the Holy of Holies one time a year. One person. And that priest was to reconcile the Hebrews, the sheep, back to the sight of God. Our text today reminds us, friends, that Jesus is that man is the high priest who entered into the holy holies and restored that relationship between the Lord God and all creation. It was through Jesus' death, that is, his blood, the curtain separating God from the holy of holies to the rest of the world has been torn in two. I love in Mark's gospel, Mark 15, in the, in the crucifixion scene, Jesus um, is on the cross. He is breathing his last. And when he died, Mark, Luke, and Matthew all record that at that moment of his last breath, the temple curtain separating the sanctuary of God, the holy of holies from all of the people, was torn in two from top to bottom. In one way, it was God's way of tearing and rending God's garments to say blasphemy for what you've done for Jesus. But what it also is, is God is saying, the temple is now open. Jesus has restored this relationship. Everybody come in to the Holy of Holies and to this place. And you see, the cool thing is that those who recognize what Jesus has done in our lives... And if we believe that we have access into the very throne room of God, we don't need God's rescue ropes to pull us out any longer. And that leads us to our first pre-holiday preparation. A holiday. Our first pre-holy day preparation. It's hard, isn't it? Pre-Holy Day preparation number one. In verse 23, the preacher says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Now, what is that confession? Well, it's the confession we have just talked about. It's that Jesus has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And Jesus has gone into the holy place of God and has taken the seat of leadership. You see... That's what all these Sunday messages have been about since last Christmas through Easter up until now. Namely, it's because of Jesus. Your life, my life, the life of this very church is different. It's different now. It's set apart now. It's set set apart for God and from the rest of the world. 
Our preparation, my beloved, is to intentionally stop, to intentionally reflect, and say to ourselves and graciously to others, these are holy days, not holidays. Say that with me. These are holy days, not holidays. The second holy day preparation is one that at first blush I thought was rather kind of funny. It's in verse 24. And verse 24 says, the preacher writes, And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Now that sounds, I don't know, different. Provoking seems to be annoying. To provoke means to irritate. Um, And yet that's what we are supposed to do. When we hear provoke one another, we think of two siblings annoying one another at grandma and grandpa's dinner table at Thanksgiving. Kicking each other under the table. Playing with the other's food. We find provoking to be two fishermen on this big deserted beach. And the fish are running. And you're out there fishing and this other person comes up on this huge deserted beach. And they stand ten feet next to you and cast their net across, cast their line across yours. And you're just going, you got the whole beach, man. Why now? Why me? Annoyed is like when a a sixth grader named Nicholas who takes a wadded up little paper ball and throws it at this girl in front of him named Amy because he thinks she's kind of (laughs) cute. And that is the only way that she's going to recognize and pay attention to him. We are being asked, brothers and sisters, you and me, to provoke one another to love. To provoke means to irritate, to incite someone in a certain way. The NIV translates it, uh, the New International Version translates it, to spur someone on. Okay, that's a little more redemptive. The English Standard Version goes the other way. It says, we are to stir up one another. Hmm. And perhaps the late Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the the Bible, the message, says it's best when he says, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. I like that. Let's see how inventive we can become in encouraging love and helping out. Yesterday, as you saw pictures, I, and I witnessed for the very first time one of the most inventive forms of provoking, irritating, spurring on, and stirring one up another for Holy Day preparations. I've always heard about what this church does at Thanksgiving. I've been stressing about it with staff. What do we got to do? What do we got to do? And they just said, oh, chill out, preacher. It's going to happen. I didn't believe them until yesterday. I witnessed this beautifully unchoreographed dance of several hundred people unload trucks from outside, place them in tables inside, fill up bags with turkeys and food, and put them back out onto the trucks, 
all within three hours, four hours. Church members, Rotarians, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, teens, children, older people that had no business carrying big turkeys. (laughs) They were all moving in this chaotic dance, inventing love and grace for people they will never meet. It's beautiful. It was beautiful. It took a life. It took on a life of its own. Some were smiling. Some were clearly irritated. You should have heard people yelling, hurry up. We got to get the turkeys in the bags. Come on, people, move it. But it was good. We were spurring one another to an acts of love. What are ways, friends, that you and I can personally be inventive these next six weeks to help people experience the love of Christ and remember the holidays? The holy days. Maybe. Maybe it's an unexpected dinner invitation to someone you know who's alone and would like to share a meal. Perhaps it means finding a homebound member of the church who cannot decorate their house for Christmas because they can't reach the decorations on the shelf and they don't want to fall. And you bring your children over or your small group over and you decorate their apartment for Christmas for them. Then again, maybe your small group or Sunday school class can throw a casual dessert or dinner, inviting people who are not familiar with what's going on in the community of faith and and just build relationship with them. And take those little folders in your bulletin that have all the things going on for Christmas here and Advent and give it to them. How can you and I, how can this church be inventive in showing love this holy day season, reminding the world of what it's all about? That's what what we're to do. The last pre-holy day preparation the preacher is asking us to follow is an injunction. And this is found in verse 25. He says, and let us not hold aloof from our church meetings as some do. That's the J.B. Phillips rendition. The NRSV says, and let us not forget to meet together. I like Phillips' version better. Let's not hold aloof from meeting, from our church meetings as some do. You see, holy days can be holidays, but not all holidays are holy days. The preacher is reminding the people the days are chaotic that we're about to enter into. They are swirly, and as such, beloved, as such, it is absolutely vital that you and I continue to meet together to touch the touchstone, the source of our faith, which is Christ, to remind us what this season is about anyway. But unfortunately, things get in the way. 
Instead of building this flywheel effect where we are coming back and restoring ourselves with the faith that we are about who we're to worship at Christmas through Advent, we come enraptured with the person in this corner, the world. In our holiday rush, we, make, we will make commitments to parties that we don't want to go to, and then we'll miss our meetings, we'll miss our worship. We will spend more time online or at the mall shopping or worse yet, driving in the car to get to another place to buy a present someone doesn't need than we will be in saying prayer or engaging the scriptures to learn about this God in Christ or in loving someone else. You see, the number one point of reentry into the life of any faith congregation in the Christian tradition is church, or is Christmas. It's, the hol- it's, it's Advent. This is the time of year people are wanting to search for meaning, to understand life. Brothers and sisters, you and I have this opportunity to help those living in the holidays to experience holy days. Starry night experience coming up a week from Wednesday. The hanging of the green service in the sanctuary where you get to see men in skirts and bagpipes and all those exciting things as the church is decorated wassail and what an experience. The choir is going to be having that incredible concert on the 16th. We've got four Christmas Eve services. People are experiencing the holidays, how can we get them to experience the holy days? And that is by reminding and inviting them to come and not be aloof to the meetings of the church. I want each of us to think for just a minute. This is not rhetorical. Think of one person you know who doesn't have a church community or church home. Think of one person, just one person, not stranger, someone you know, someone you have established trust with, one person. You see, statistics say that 64% in Broward County have no religious affiliation with anything whatsoever. So odds are you know at least one. Do you have one in your mind? Do you have their image in your face? Do you have that? All right, raise your hand if you do. And hold it up. Raise your hand if you have that image. Everybody should have their hand up. Everybody knows somebody. Now repeat after me. I will invite, state their name. State their name. You know, you just gave, you just made yourself a sermon example. <laughs> okay, hand back up. You got that face. The image right here. Hands up. Hand up. I will invite the person, stay to one of our church experiences to help them reclaim the holy days from holidays.
Okay. Amen? Yeah. See, that was easy, isn't it? It's easy. People are hungry. But let, it not, let us not be aloof to meeting as church, as the community in this corner, the culture in this corner is telling us to do. Brothers and sisters, hold on to what we confess and believe. Invent ways of showing love to one another during these holy day season, this holy day season. Make church, family, and community a priority these holy days. For that, my beloved, is how we get ready. Not for the fat red elf, but instead for the ruddy complexion child born in straw. Amen? Pray with me. Spirit of life. Help us prepare. Help us to get ready. Help us, O Lord, to reclaim these days from culture. It does not have to be a battle royale, Lord. Let us be grounded and firmly placed in relationship and spiritual community. Lord, send us your Holy Spirit to help us do just that. Help us invent creative ways of loving one another. For Lord, we ask this. In Christ's name, amen.